The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
Ecclesia, thanks for joining us today for worship. Um, before we settle into our worship, I want to invite you to mark your calendars for Saturday, September 26th, when we will host our next Evensong event, and we'll gather here at our elder building in the parking lot, and we will get to worship together, and we're also going to celebrate baptisms that day. So if that is something that God has been stirring up within you in your story, a desire to be baptized, we would love to talk with you more about that. So you can reach out to me, just paul at ecclesiahouston.org, and let me know of your interest in baptism. And we'd be happy to weave that into uh, our even song on September 26th. So the rest of you can mark your calendars and come celebrate with us. We'll get you more information in the weeks ahead, but we want to make sure that's on your calendar. So now let's pray together as we uh, uh, settle in for our worship. Holy God, thank you for this opportunity to gather. Even in our separate places, we gather together before your throne to give you glory and honor. And with whatever we each bring to this week, uh, in, our, in our relationships, in our loneliness, in our isolation, God, we bring so much. And so we pray that you would meet us here uniquely, individually, and that you, we would have peace in your presence today as we gather, as we sing, as we hear from your word and as we celebrate uh, communion together. Lord, may you be present in and through all of this. We entrust this time to you with gratitude and hope and expectation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise thy name in earth and sky and 
It's all around 
Now is the time that we come together and continue our worship through offering. After the offering, Pastor Chris will give us a message from Lake Charles where we are continuing our efforts there. Join me in the offering prayer. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and I'm excited uh, to be able to share with you from Lake Charles, Louisiana today. I got to talk to you last week about what we saw initially here. Uh, today, I am in the building of our partner church, Trinity Baptist. Uh, they're a great church. They're outwardly focused. They're serving the community. Uh, you've got law enforcement and emergency response and all kinds of folks here. And if I could summarize the mood, I'd say it uh, probably in a couple things. One, overwhelmed. If you remember how we felt after Hurricane Harvey, uh, that's the look in the eyes of the pastors and staff uh, here at the church. And uh, also a lot of grief, right? They, they love their city, they love their people. And the estimate right now is that uh, of the people in their church, about 75% of people have been impacted. Their homes have been impacted. Uh, many of them are not gonna be able to move back in. There is so much need. And I would say the second part of that is a bit of despair. Um, there's a lot happening in the world. People are excited for some reason to talk about politics. And, and there's a lot of things people are talking about. On my uh, news feed, apparently it's news that uh, people are protesting Chick-fil-A's lemonade. Apparently it has too much sugar in it. I've gotta be thinking like there's, there's definitely more happening in the world uh, than just that. And there is a lot more here. And our brothers and sisters in Lake Charles are feeling like maybe they've been left behind. The news has moved on. And yet there is so much damage. There is so much suffering. And Ecclesia, this is the time that we as a church step up. Uh, their church has been really clear. This is what they need. They need money. They need money to help rebuild. Uh, they need uh, supplies. And we're gonna be gathering those supplies. You'll see a list of them posted. Things like generators and chainsaws and dehumidifiers and basic tools to clean up and rebuild. 
and they need skilled people. If you're skilled with a chainsaw, if you're skilled at roofing, you can get on top of a roof and put up a tarp or you can help re-roof. Those are the kind of things they need, especially for the most vulnerable populations here, senior citizens and those that can't help themselves. If you're able to do that, then we're gonna be working to find uh, housing and opportunities to do that kind of work. And today, as I talk to them, I realize that the thing that we need here in Lake Charles is the thing that we need in every one of these areas of isolation and struggle. It's the sense of connection. Our friends in Lake Charles are really longing to say, will you guys just remember us? And, uh, and really to show empathy towards us. I wanna to talk to you today about the difference between sympathy, right? Sympathy creates a sense of disconnection. We look at people and we go, oh, well, that's you. You're an other. Sucks for you, right? You don't go, well, Louisiana. Oh, man. Well, that sucks. I'm glad it didn't hit us in Houston. You guys are different, right? Now, most of us can't do that because we have connections to Louisiana. We at least love Cajun food, right? We're not going, hey, I don't like Cajun people. There's not this sense of otherness. And yet... We do lose a sense of connection. Empathy is a radically different thing. It says we're connected and it says, I feel your pain. Now you may feel it emotionally. Some of us feel it that way, uh, or you may feel it non-emotionally, but you know we're connected. And if you suffer, I suffer. But the thing that it always does is that it leads to action. One of my favorite passages in scripture demonstrates this really well in Nehemiah. And this is the thing, Ecclesia, I want you to think about today. If you feel connected to people, it's, um, it's for a reason. Uh, and, and our very base instinct is only really to feel connected with people that are us or are like us or look like us or believe what we believe. In fact, there's great scientific research where they've shown photos uh, to people of those that are suffering. And what they find is that their brains respond when they see photos of people suffering that look like them. And when they see people suffering that don't look like them, they don't respond in the same way, right? And for empathy to kick in, it requires uh, that we see ourselves as being connected. I love this story in Nehemiah. It's a beautiful story of rebuilding. From the story of Jerusalem going from disaster and turmoil and destruction to order and beauty and hope and opportunity. But it begins in the very first chapter with what I think we have to start with today. Uh, we start with this today, whether we're talking about the suffering in Lake Charles or whether we're talking about racial injustice, whether we're talking about the political divide. It tells us in Nehemiah 1 that he says, I was in the fortress along with some other men and I asked them about those Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile and about our city, Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah, this is what you need to know, Nehemiah had risen um, in this time of captivity to what I would tell you is the greatest job apart from being the king. If you can't be the king, this is the job you want to have. It's not exactly the vice king or the vice president. They didn't do it that way in those days. They had a cupbearer, and the cupbearer, his job was to always be with the king. He would definitely be an advisor. He would also be known as the person that would drink the king's wine before he would drink it. And if he didn't die, then the king wasn't gonna die and he would eat the king's food. And if you're gonna eat the king's food and drink the king's wine, I think that's better than being the king. It's like eating the best food without all the responsibility, amen? Wouldn't everybody love that job? I wanna eat the food of a great CEO. If you go to Uchi a lot, I suggest you bring me along. I'll eat your food before you eat it and just check and see if it's poison or not. I'm volunteering, I'm signing up, right? Nehemiah's got a great job. 
But he asked these friends, because he was a, an advisor, what's happening in Jerusalem? And this is what it tells us. They said to Nehemiah, it's a disaster. The survivors of the exile who were in the Persian province of Jerusalem have been wronged and are hated. The wall of Jerusalem has been reduced to piles of rock and its gates consumed by flame. Hearing this, it tells us that Nehemiah was overwhelmed with grief and he could only sit and weep for days. He says, I mourned this news and I sought the audience of the one true God of heaven, praying and fasting before him. This is what Nehemiah did. First, he felt their pain, he empathized with them, and then he acted. Ecclesia, that's what I wanna invite you to do. In Lake Charles, whether we respond with money, supplies, you bring something to pick up, or with skilled work and labor. However we respond, we're gonna pray, we're gonna fast, we're gonna consider, we're gonna ask God to help, we're gonna empathize, and then we're gonna move towards actions. And what we know is that scripture invites us to that kind of Christian action. It's a radical transformation that calls us, I believe, as the unique people that are able to empathize, not just with the people that look and act like us and believe like us, but with everyone. In Romans chapter 12, we have these two beautiful and remarkable verses. And Paul is really, he's writing a letter here. It's a dense letter, but it's a letter. And in that letter, right, he says, brothers and sisters, in light of all I have shared with you about God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice to God, a sacrifice offering that brings him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Paul begins this section and he says, essentially, you're a Christian and what you're invited to do is no longer make a sacrifice, but to be a sacrifice. Now, Ecclesia, in times of suffering, this is when we're at our best. And you know why? It's because we're a people that already know we've been called to sacrifice. I've struggled personally in this season with a lot of complaining, right? I hear people complaining about things are hard and they are hard, they're hard for me. I know they're hard for you. But I hear a lot of complaints about places that we have to give up a personal liberty, right? That we say, you know what, it's inconvenient for me to wear a mask and I don't wanna wear a mask because it's inconvenient for me. And if you're an American, that's a legitimate American argument. Personal liberties are really important for Americans. This is what I'll tell you, for Christians, personal liberties don't exist. For Christians, we're called to sacrifice. And so we say, if you feel safer, if it's better for you, and I'm called to make a sacrifice, I just make it. I just make it. I wear a mask. I do what I need to do. I give a little extra. I share a little more. I work a little harder. I sacrifice for your benefit because that's how God made me. I talked to you about this last week. And we're at our happiest and our best when we live into that sacrifice. And then Paul goes on and he says this. He says, do not allow the world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. Paul says, literally, the world wants to shape our minds in very clear and particular ways. This is what you need to know, Ecclesia. He's telling us, don't be conformed by the way of the world, but you need to know we already are indoctrinated into the way of the world. It takes great intentionality to leave that way behind. And that's what I wanna invite you to do today. I want you to consider Paul's words today. And say, I don't want to be conformed to the way of the world. I want to be transformed. What might, what might that look like? Let me offer you three thoughts and ideas as suggestions. And maybe you can consider these and together we could act on them and then I'll read the next verse to you here in Romans. This is what I'd like you to realize. 
you are and I am conformed in many ways to the ways of the world. And what that means is we have natural biases. We're born with them. Uh, we inherit them, right? Have you, have you seen the study where they take young children and they give them a black doll and a white doll? And it said black children and white children said that the white doll was more beautiful. The white doll was preferable. That we're just born with biases. Some of them are really not good and some of them are just what they are, right? Some of you grew up and from a very young age, right? Whether you're male or female, you just went, I'm, I'm attracted to girls who are blondes, right? I like blondes, or uh, I, many of you girls, you may be, I, I like tall guys, right? You may not end up with a tall guy, but you know, I'm, I'm just drawn to, I have a natural bias towards tall men, right? And then you may learn like some tall men are not good men and you'd rather have a good man than a tall man, but you have a natural bias towards something, right? I have a natural bias towards certain foods. I just love them. And really it's all foods that taste good actually for me. So I don't know if I have that many biases because I like everything, but maybe you don't, right? Now, some of those biases are more difficult. And what we have to do is simply recognize them. And when we recognize we have a bias, we can think beyond it. So Ecclesia, when we recognize we have a bias, it helps us because then we can intentionally remind ourselves we're the people that love all people. Yeah, we may think this of certain people. We may like certain regions or certain foods, but we're called to love all people. Now, part of this journey means that we have to recognize our own faults. And if you're anything like me, you often can't see them. We're literally blind to them. It's that uh, natural instinct, right? Where you think your stink isn't as stinky as somebody else's stink, right? Somebody else comes in and thinks like, maybe you need to go to the doctor. Like this really stinks, right? And you just don't see it because you're used to it. Maybe you got a buzz in your house, right? An air conditioner that just buzzes all the time and you're totally used to it. But to somebody that's not used to it, they come in and go, that buzzing is driving me crazy, right? And you're like, well, it's my house. I'm just used to it. You don't even notice it. There are things in your life that you don't notice and you need other people to speak in and help you to see them. They're biases, they're real. And what we don't want is to allow those biases to become bigotry. Does that make sense? You can be biased without being a bigot. You just recognize those biases and decide not to act on them and to live differently. Secondly, Ecclesia, and this is a big one. What I wanna invite you to do is look at your life and recognize the stressors and triggers around you. This is what I'll tell you, and I believe this is what's happening in the world right now, is that when the world becomes stressful, what we know about our brains is that our amygdalas, the amygdala is the part of the brain that just operates without us knowing. It does the things we don't even think about, right? Breathing, right? We just, we do it without even knowing we're doing it. And when the world gets more stressful, our amygdala starts to control more things, right? We just act. We don't um, go to the more advanced part of our brain, the neocortex that helps us make thoughtful decisions. And I think what's happening right now is we're all under some stressors and triggers and we're operating out of our amygdala. And what we have to do is take a deep breath and thoughtfully consider what we're gonna say. Will you please thoughtfully consider what you're gonna post online? Would you please be careful not to be divisive would you not use your amygdala and respond quickly to something that offends you? And maybe realize that we're made as Christians to empathize. And you know what that means? That means we literally do everything we can to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Our instinct, I heard a great story recently 
about someone that shared news with their parents that they thought would devastate them. They thought they were gonna be angry and upset with them. And the mother of this person instead returned to, uh, to her son and said, how is it that you haven't told us this long ago, right? You've been carrying this all alone? And the mother's response was so empathetic. It wasn't about her. Now you may say, well, my parents, some of the people I'm in a relationship, they always make it about them. Well, again, this is your chance to rise above that, right? And demonstrate true Christian empathy. And what we do is we put ourselves in the shoes of others and we say, I can't imagine how you deal with your own hardships. And for me, what that looks like is knowing and understanding the things that I'm afraid of. Because when fear kicks in and I've got stressors and triggers, I'm usually not at my best. Now, the Bible says over and over again, be not afraid. Now, Sometimes I can read those passages and go, well, how? Because right? this is really scary, right? And, and I think um, really what that looks like, right, is, is not that you're not afraid. It, in fact, what's often really good for me is to acknowledge my fear. It's just to then recognize that I am afraid and say fear is not going to drive me. I'm gonna put fear in the passenger seat and I'm, I'm gonna thoughtfully, contemptually ask God to guide me in the driver's seat. But that doesn't mean I'm not ever afraid. It means I have some fear, but fear is not going to own me. I think that would be a gift for all of us, Ecclesia. And then lastly, Ecclesia. What if we did this? What if we just let people be themselves? Right? I, I know you got people that you're friends with and the real world, if there was still a real world and you're meeting with people and you disagree with them, you got a lot of friends in the digital world and you disagree with them. And this is what I want to suggest to you. Could you just let them be them? And maybe they're totally wrong. One day, hopefully we all get to heaven and we figure out whether we were right or wrong. Could you just let them be them? And let's just decide we're not going to argue and bicker about those things. Hopefully you've learned by now, right? That you don't get to tell people how they can think or how they can feel, right? Anybody have somebody do that with you where they go, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but don't be mad, right? You're like, I can't promise I'm not, like, you can't tell me how to feel, right? Because I'm going to feel like I feel. Instead, what we're really saying is, um, if you're mad, would you please not disconnect from me? Like, I can't tell you how to feel. If you do, it's not going to go well for you, right? You can't tell people how to feel. But you can say, however you feel, if you're angry or hurt or betrayed or sad, would you please stay connected with me? And I'm going to choose to empathize with you. I'm going to invite you to empathize with me. And Ecclesia, whatever it is that's happening, this suffering in Lake Charles, and we need to respond. We're made to respond what's happening in our country with racial injustice. There are times and places it's getting worse and not better. That's not how it's made to be. We're the people called to invite the kingdom of God. And that means that when we hear a story, we don't instantly go to our confirmation bias, which is this thing that we do so naturally, which is I'm gonna listen to the voices that agree with me. Instead, we're made to say, I'm gonna listen for another perspective and hope that what I bring might lead to healing and hope. In Lake Charles, Louisiana, we need healing and hope. In Houston, we need healing and hope. In Wisconsin this week, we need healing and hope. I believe that comes with Jesus, the one, only one, the Messiah, the anointed one, who came not just to uh, embody the essence of empathy, but actually to live it out and to become the sacrifice for all of our failures and sins. And so I invite you today, Ecclesia, to pray with me and to truly embrace the Christian response to the broken world that we live in. Empathy, not sympathy. We're not looking down on anyone else. 
and feeling sorry for them, we're empathetically responding, which will always, like Nehemiah, lead us to action. God, I thank you for your abundant blessings upon our church and our people on the city of Houston, that even in dark and difficult times, you've given us so much. You've given us emotional and spiritual resources. You've given us each other. You've given us the things that we need so that we can care well for ourselves and our neighbors. And now, Lord, we believe our neighbors extend to Lake Charles and beyond. Help us to be the people you made us to be, to bring your hope and healing. Lord, give us the eyes and the heart to put ourselves in the shoes of others and to believe that maybe others are suffering in ways that we didn't understand because we haven't experienced what they've experienced. Lord, we know this is what you did. You came to walk on earth to suffer as we suffered and become our sacrifice. Help us to follow your path. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. So Ecclesia, now we take time to pause and come together as one body and remember Christ's death and resurrection through eating of bread and drinking of wine and juice. And as we prepare our hearts for this time, I wanna invite you to say this prayer of confession with me uh, to examine and uh, help us come to the table well. So will you pray this with me? Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. And so we remember that the night before he was crucified that Jesus gathered his closest disciples and they shared a meal together. And at one point he got up in the meal and he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he blessed God and then he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you, declaring that he's with us even in pain and sorrow. And then after the meal, he got up and he took the cup of wine which was there and he raised it up and he thanked God again and he blessed God and he said, this is my blood poured out for you which is a new covenant. And so Ecclesia today, with whatever elements you have, I've got a um, protein bar here, I've got some wine, with whatever you've got in your home, may we come together and as one, remember Christ's death and resurrection, that he is with us in all things, even this season and this time. So Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. May we taste and see together. Amen. resting place in a search no more 
my soul has found its resting place in a search I search no more even my darkness is light to you even my darkness it is light to you from the deepest of depths to the stars up above there is no place I can escape your steadfast love And it's hard to believe it But you say that it's true Even my darkness, it is light to you My hope now is anchored safe in your rock, it holds. Oh, my soul now is anchored safe. In your rock, your rock, it holds. Even my darkness is light. of depths to the stars up above There is no place I can escape your steadfast love And it's hard to believe it But you say that it's true Even my darkness it is light to you
Now comes the time in our gathering where we will say a blessing over all of the children in our lives. But before we get to that, I have a couple of announcements and updates for you. We are so excited to announce that we are starting children's community small groups. We have Sunday small groups that are actually starting today. They will meet at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and they will stream the story of the week, participate in discussion, check in with each other, and just build community with children their own age. Another type of small group we have starting are a few weekly small groups. We have a book club and an art club that are both going to be super incredible. So you can learn more about those at ecclesiahouston.org and there's a button that says children's community small groups. Another exciting announcement that I have for you is that we are starting a parenting group called Better Together. It will meet weekly with all sorts of parents from all sorts of different backgrounds to discuss highs and lows and to build community with each other and to learn skills for helping your child cope um, emotionally through this hard time that we're going through. You can learn more about that at ecclesiahouston.org slash better together. Now, let me say a prayer over all of the children in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every child that is watching this and each and every child that is now in the minds of the adults who are watching this. God, I pray that you would be with these children. They are going through some really hard times right now. There's a lot of changes happening, God. And I pray that they would feel your presence with them, that they would feel your peace and your love and your joy, God. I pray that you would encourage them to show their creativity in making their lives the absolute best that they can right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray, amen. Our benediction today comes from the book of Ephesians, the third chapter. Our response is to get down on our knees before God, this magnificent God who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask that you be strengthened by the Spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite Christ in. And I ask that with both feet firmly planted on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine, or guess, or even request in your wildest dreams. God does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, deeply and gently within us through the Spirit. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all the millennia. Amen. 
Ecclesia, we love you. We miss you. We are going to make it through. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.